0: If, if, this, if this thing continues on the trajectory that it, it appears programmatically, deterministically set to, to follow, it takes over the world. Hello everybody. My name is Daniel Prince
1: and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining Lauren and I this week is Croesus, the young man that's um, taking... Twitter by storm of late with uh, with his writing and his thoughts it's really great to see people like this coming out of the woodwork and uh, we we talk about that and his passion for um kind of helping inspire other other people that have got a voice got a vision um are here in the space uh, perhaps lurking a little bit and um, want to um, uh, thinking about adding something to the space. Uh, So if you are one of those people, if you identify as one of those people or you know more people like that, then um, definitely take a listen to this one. Uh, I think you'd love what he has to say. We go deep into um, the, the topic of micro strategy as well. He and I both come from financial market backgrounds where he's still working. And um you know discuss as well uh, you know why it's so hard to kind of bring our friends, colleagues um, peer group from from that realm into the world of Bitcoin and uh, he has some interesting thoughts on that topic as well. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, before we do a uh, big list of thank yous Quick shout outs, Adam Woodhams, at Adam Woodhams1 for helping me put this whole show together. Couldn't do it without you. At Sir Badminton and at 21ism for you guys, um, you know, the work that you're doing. Badders, music in the background, love it. Uh, At Obi for supporting the show. Really, really appreciate that. coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you want to go start stacking some sats. Let's get to it, guys. Hope you enjoy the interview. And I will um see you after the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Once Bitten. And joining me today is Croesus, who uh, who's given up his time to come on and, and talk about um all things Bitcoin. And we want to go down the rabbit hole of uh, micro strategy together and uh, many other things. Um Thank you so much for, for coming on, mate, and um, and spending the time and uh, reaching out as well on Twitter.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. I you know, jumped at the opportunity to uh, do an interview with the best Bitcoin interviewer in the space, by which I, of course, mean Lauren.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you think of that?
2: I, uh, thanks and very cool, I guess.
1: Yeah. You know, he's not the only person to have said this i i I know many ogs have said this as well. do you know what an og stands for?
2: no
0: why don't you ask oh, Croes yeah. what
2: what is an og well I, guess,
0: I what it means in Bitcoin is somebody who's been around since the very early days so like like twenty eleven or some people it, it, some people define it differently. a good ballpark would be somebody who bought it before it was. Before Bitcoin was hundred dollars, so a long time ago. Mm. Um, the actual term, I think, comes from "original gangster," uh, which is which is uh, more of a, a West Coast rap thing more than anything, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and now, so what's your other question?
2: My other question is, who is
0: Krissus? No? Croesus, yes, correct. Croesus. Who is Croesus? Yeah. Yeah, that is a great question. So, uh, Croesus was a king uh, long ago. So, twenty five hundred years ago, Croesus was the king of Lydia. Um, so, do you know where where Turkey is today? Uh. Or do you know where Greece is? I
2: my sister went to Greece, but yes,
0: mm-hmm. I think so. So well, we can check on. on so out there. You know, it's in the Mediterranean, further east from France, you know, past Italy. You see, you get to Greece and all the Greek islands there. And just on the far side of that is where Turkey is now. Um, And that is where Lydia uh, was 2,500 years ago. So, sort of broadly in the Greek sphere of of influence. Um, But Croesus was the king of Lydia. Twenty-five hundred years ago, and came up with this brilliant idea of people are using gold and silver to trade, but it's difficult to figure out how much gold and silver you're getting when you exchange, you know, a product for that for that metal. Um, so he had the idea to put a standardized amount of gold into a coin and stamp his face on it. And so that was the first invention of standardized metal money, um, which reduces the, the challenges involved in, in trading. So if you know exactly how much gold you, you might be getting when somebody offers you a, a particular gold coin, um, it makes it easier to agree to that, to, that, to sell that thing or, or, or buy that thing. Um, so that was a big invention in the history of money. Um, the reason I took that name is because it's—I it, like to remind myself, and I, I think it's sort of important to be aware of how Bitcoin fits in in, in the history of money and the evolution of what money has been and, and can be. Um, and so it's sort of a, a nod to, to that history.
1: Understand
2: yeah cool (laughs) now i know what turkey is
1: and the importance of sound
0: money
2: yes that too
0: Mm. lauren have you heard of the trojan war
2: Think so i think we learned this at school but i completely forgot about it
0: Uh did you ever learn
1: about the story where um some warriors hide inside a great big giant wooden horse
2: Oh yeah, I didn't know that school. I just I just read it in the like, Don't you this have book. a puzzle? Yeah, with We that? have a
1: book. We have a book or a yeah, puzzle or something. Yeah, we have a
2: book. No we, no. no, we don't have a puzzle. We have a book.
1: Horrible Histories maybe? Uh
2: yeah, I think I've I, I think I've seen it in Horrible Histories.
1: Maybe and a maybe, book. Yeah. So you you can picture like a giant horse. Yes, yeah, a right.
2: giant horse yeah. trying to like they're going to gift it to the to the red side. Oh, and I've seen this in the, Simpsons. Uh, on the, <laughs> the on... Simpsons. Yes, they did one
1: of those. Educational Simpsons, I love it. Okay, yes. Um,
2: and like they, they wanted that like they were gonna have a war, but they wanted to like trick them into like giving them this big wooden horse gift. Yep. And then like mm-hmm. it, either in the night or like just then they might open the horse and like start attacking. I I think it's in the night. Because then no one, no one really knows. And then I think the blue win because they, they of course um killing everybody.
0: <laughs> so yes, so that 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 was a good retelling of that. Uh, and that story comes from the Trojan War, and Troy is in Lydia. Um, but that was six hundred years before. King Croesus so but you know in in, in the uh, the timeline of history more or less uh, picture that picture exactly what you saw in that in that book
2: cool okay
1: yeah well do you want to say good night to Croesus
2: bye
1: bye good night cool mate thank you and um when did you like, is this a pretty new account you have, or is this? Um, have you been on Twitter for a while? Uh, what, what's kind of yeah. the backstory on that?
0: Uh, so I was a lurker for a long time, and uh, and I was an alt corner for quite a while. Like, I got into Ethereum first in, in 2016, so I've sort of been lurking since then. Um, you know, and obviously. Eventually found the light and, and realized that Bitcoin is all that matters, uh, and that was that was early 2019. Um, and since then, I was I was sort of lurking, but then thinking more about the pieces of of Bitcoin research or analysis that I felt were missing in the space, or you know, ideas that I had that that didn't seem to be um, out there from other people. Um, And I guess like four months ago, I decided to just start putting out my thoughts and analysis. Um, And so I I put out a a thread on Twitter, um, digging into an analysis of, of how the technology adoption curve that typically happens when, a new technology is created and it's slowly adopted at first and then with increasing um, speed as uh, the mainstream starts to arrive at the, you know, to recognize the value of it all at once. Um, how that in- interplays with Bitcoin's, uh, you know, um, issuance schedule and the halvings over time. Um, and the results of that were sort of a, an indirect confirmation of of what um, Plan B's stock to flow model sort of point out of you know even though even though uh, each having only increases scarcity 2 X, um, if you expect the adoption curve to play out over the next 20 30 years, uh, and that puts us at the very beginning of the adoption curve. Um, and we're only like 0.5% uh, into global adoption. And if this follows the same trajectory as something like the internet, which you, know, you and I think will happen, uh, then we're going to scale really fast. And at the same time, every four years, the, the 2x increase in scarcity it compounds that um in the increasing level of competition among people for newly mined bitcoin uh and when you smash those two data sets together the result is is actually like a, a 10x increase in adoption adjusted scarcity every four years for the next 20 years um and and explains historical scarcity uh at a 10x rate every four years as well so i put that out um Four months ago, and it was a big hit. Uh, and then I was like, "All right, I have other ideas too. Let's start writing." Um, so, I guess I'm an example of a lurker who decided that that I had something to contribute and wanted to get out there. And I think that that is an important part of how Bitcoin, you know, grows and develops. Um, and it's something I encourage everybody else out there who's listening to this and has some ideas to do.
1: Yeah. And it was, uh, I, I think I was listening to your episode with John Vallis where you guys touched on this topic and I've been hell bent on like, uh, spreading that message ever since. And it's like, that resonated with me so much because I only started this podcast in February and, right, yep. you know, I had no idea where this thing was going to go. Um, being completely humbled by the response, not just by the listeners, but by the the people that have given up their time to come on and um, share their ideas. Uh, you know, people that I looked up to so, like, massively and still do. Um, but when I was lurking myself, like, you know, people like Safe, people like Breedlove, mm-hmm. people like Parker, you know, like, Mike, you mm-hmm. it, it, You reach out to them, and they're more than happy to help. And I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so when when you guys were discussing this, I was like, right. That's got to be a mission now for everybody, I think, to to pull as many lurkers out of Bitcoin Twitter that we can. Because, and I put a tweet out earlier, and this this crosses with your um, thesis perfectly well, because um, I'm going to... big fan of Seth Godin. I think he talks a lot of sense. I love his podcast and I love, um, you know, keeping up to date with, you know, his thoughts. And he put out uh, a tweet, um, a tweet today about um, crossing the chasm. So when you have the early adopter mm-hmm. curve, you have that. This is a moment. big topic
0: I care about. Yep.
1: Oh my God. that That's the thing, right? It's crossing yep. that chasm from the early adopter to the mass adopters. And how do we do that? And everybody plays a part. Everybody, everyone plays yep. a part, whether you're a memeer, a writer, a podcaster, whether you are a miner, you're a, a core yep. dev, whether you're doing building any entrepreneurial like, company around Bitcoin for whatever, for, be it DCA or multi-sig or um, you know, improving air brackets listeners' user experience let's go because it's the chasm that counts, right? It's the chasm that's the problem. Um,
0: That's right. That's right. So what are your thoughts around that? I think about this (laughs) a lot of, um, Dan held, you know, put out something a month or two ago about how Bitcoin needs marketing. And and there was a bit of a a kerfuffle about that. Um, I think his, his, his core point was uh, mistaken by a lot of people. Um, The truth is that Bitcoin relies on word-of-mouth marketing. It it, it propagates by people telling people about it and sharing the gospel. Um, That's the only way it spreads. And if you imagine a a classic adoption curve, the classic bell curve, it has this chasm between the innovators and early adopters and the mainstream. The mainstream are are not going to follow something unless it's um, reached a critical mass. And the benefits of it are salient and obvious enough because enough people have done it that it's socially proofed. Uh, how do you get between innovators and early adopters to spread that message to the mainstream? It's by sheer numbers. And the only way you get those numbers is by virally propagating the message of bitcoin through word of mouth and that means all of us that means every single person who can add a little tiny bit to lower the barriers the mental barriers necessary to get bitcoin to understand why it's valuable that's how that's how we win like like if you if you look at the the really early adopters they all had some they had a combination of incredible um, characteristics that, that randomly, a random uh, assortment of characteristics that happened to line up perfectly to quote unquote, get Bitcoin early. Like, like VJ was, uh, a coder at Google, um, a libertarian who'd helped Ron Paul and had this family story of his dad having to carry all of, I think it was his dad having to carry all, all, all their family wealth on a plane to India in gold. So he, it was on his body because there was no other way to, to cross borders with all of their family wealth. And so that, that story, that memory, made the value proposition of Bitcoin extremely relevant to VJ very early on. But that's a really high barrier. And not many people meet that barrier of, of what it took in whenever that was. 2011 to get Bitcoin, but as time goes on and more people um, are using it and talking about it and it's more socially proofed uh, and the conversation and um, sort of academic analysis of Bitcoin makes its, its case more clear to people, that barrier lowers. So it's easier over time to get it. It's much easier now than in 2017 to get why Bitcoin is all that matters and and altcoins are, don't matter. Um, and that's going to continue. But it only continues if people continue to to add to Bitcoin's case and virally propagate you know, its messages to their network. Yeah,
1: and I'm on a tear at the moment. I did, I, I, just because I see all this DeFi stuff coming up and – yeah. And, you know, something Matt O'Dell said in our interview, you know, you know. sorry to paraphrase you, Matt. Um, <laughs> sorry to assume you're listening, Matt. Um, but <laughs> he said something <laughs> along the lines of, not only are we on the precipice of an almighty bull run, but we're on the precipice of some, like, really annoying shit. And right. it, it's already starting. And it's just like, God damn it. You know, I... I was lucky enough to have been party to the um, the rip higher in 2017, and I've you know bed all the scars all the way back down, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, so uh, you know, it's, this comes from a place of knowledge, and to to defer anybody from you know even thinking about touching an altcoin. Is something that's becoming yep. very, very close to my heart, and I think I put, I put out a tweet yep. earlier about, um, you know, the difference between um, altcoins and Bitcoin. You know, like, you know, altcoins need influencers; Bitcoin have educators,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: just such a difference. Like mm-hmm. that is just, you know, what are we what we are doing, what you are here doing on this podcast is trying to educate. You're not trying to influence. It's not the bells and whistles and the flashing lights of this, that, and the other thing that this is, you know, no, we don't need influencers, this kind of like awful kind of social media y word. No, yeah. it's just education. And when you look at right. MicroStrategy, and we will go down this rabbit hole, <laughs> yep, you know, they weren't influenced to part with one dollar, not one dollar. They educated themselves to go almost all in on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that is if there's any red
0: flag like you should be watching, it's that one. Yep. Completely agree. Yep. It's the path of education leads you to Bitcoin full stop. And and more people, particularly in people with deep pockets or or who are fiduciaries for you know, companies or investment funds, they're going to follow that path. They're not going to be influenced.
1: Would you say it's intuitive as well? Because so many people tell me, I'd so hard to understand, you know, I don't understand finance. I've never been there. I've, you know, I I just do my job and like money goes in my bank and blah, blah, blah. But I would say to anyone listening, like one or two weeks, just listening to a few pods, reading (laughs) the odd article, perhaps pick up a book and it's just intuitive. It's like, yeah, you don't need a, a technological brain. You don't need a financially. You don't need to understand financial markets. Like economics is intuitive.
0: Yep. Uh, it's it's becoming more intuitive because the the content out there now is is focused on the right the right messaging um, in a way that that I guess when I was coming into the space in 2016, I. I was drawn like a moth to flame of uh, technological innovation is what drove value in, in the internet, and so of course that's going to be the, the case here with cryptocurrencies as well. Um, but now the messaging in Bitcoin, uh, the, the writing, the, the uh, philosophy around Bitcoin is focused on the right message, which is what is money? And when you go, when you pursue that question, which like I went to business school and they never talked about what is money. And my you know my MBA classmates who are all at the you know in, in the ivory ivory tower, um, you know at the top of their uh, respective professions and and, um, and companies, they don't know what's money because they were never educated about that. Uh, we we simply don't have that in our in our society of of understanding what money is and bitcoin is going to educate all of us um through number go up and and an incremental slice of people every four years having to face the reality that they are missing something when it comes to bitcoin and what what is it and then, then you go down the rabbit hole
1: it's so true, man, and I am so guilty of that. I spent 18 years in foreign exchange markets. I had no idea what money was, and mm-hmm. that was my day-to-day, 10 to 12 hours a day, dealing with money, it's, in air quotes. Isn't like, that incredible? What? Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. I had no idea.
0: It's just a scoreboard. You, the Where you and I come from, money is just this scoreboard of how many points you have and and you and there's no question about can there be a different scoreboard it's just never never occurs to you and people are in for quite a wake up
1: and here's something i want to talk to you about because i think we suffer the same um frustration uh the fact that you know i still have a lot of my friends and ex-colleagues and ex well, ex, to me, ex-clients um, mm-hmm. in that business in very high seats, um, yep. you know, uh, the global heads of foreign exchange, at, like the the top banks. And they just, they don't want to listen. They don't want to listen to mm-hmm. me at all. It's like I'm like some kind of Judas. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. I cannot even bring it up. I know they've not listened to a podcast. Um one guy's been on, one guy, James Drage, huge shout out. He came on and um he talked about the foreign exchange markets. He's a very, very close friend. He was a colleague and a client. Um and but like I've managed to get some of the other guys just just to look at it, and I know they've dipped the toe, but that's yep. it. Yep. It's just a toe dip. The that it's like, you know, so I'm hoping in five to ten years that will snowball. But um yeah. I know you suffered the same kind of frustrations, and you've got some thoughts on why this is so could you um, oh, right. could you flesh this out for us
0: yeah i i, I put out a an article in um citadel twenty one uh, if you guys haven't checked out citadel twenty one it's an amazing e-zine of uh bitcoin writings um it's fantastic new uh source for Bitcoin content. Um, so I put it out, put out an article called uh, why the yuppie elite dismiss Bitcoin, um, which was sort of a riff and an expansion on a, an idea that that uh, was put out in the space that, you know, really smart people think that Bitcoin is going to the moon, but also some really dumb people think that Bitcoin's going to the moon. Um, and it's the, the people in the middle who, are positively dismissive, you know, uh, or or insulting to, towards that ridiculous notion that how could Bitcoin possibly go to the moon? Um, and that that's an an interesting framework. But I, with my personal experience going to, to a, a top business school and being around really, really smart people, um, and, and they have all been extremely resistant to my uh, you know, preaching about Bitcoin. Um, there's something else there too, and, I, and what I came up with is that I think that to really get Bitcoin, you kind of have to have a distrust in the system. You need to be smart to get Bitcoin but you also have to have a, a distrust that the system can work. Um, and fundamentally, to, to be a good yuppie, um, to have an MBA or be a lawyer or a doctor, anybody who has achieved highly in in their respect, respective field, that means you have to play nice and be good at playing the politics and, and plugging into the system. Um, and the only way you can do that is... By having a faith that playing by the rules and and um, you know contributing to how how the system works um, will reward you and and that the system you know can work and does work. Um, so I think that that's why yuppies, uh, the the people at the top of um, you know the professions we. We put on a pedestal in our culture. Um, They are resistant to Bitcoin because it's it's uh, it it goes against the value system and um, code that got them to where they are in their careers. Um, And nobody is inclined to uh, deny the 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 veracity of. Um, the system that has rewarded them by um, playing nice. Uh, so I, I think that that's that's what causes um, yuppies to not only dismiss Bitcoin, but be uh, you know view people who are preaching it as Judas um, because it, it's an, an affront to their their worldview and the system that um, has been good to them.
1: Yeah. But, I, you know, we're entering now, I think, this this next phase of the madness of, um, of what's going on with, you know, everything around the world and COVID driving, all of this change so quickly. There's going to be, I think we both probably agree on this, uh, you know, some kind of breakdown in the middle class um, and inflation mm-hmm. is going to um, be quite rampant quite quickly, certainly for, um, you know, uh, a few years and then we'll probably transition into deflation a la gf booth um will that drive adoption will that you know i've already seen questions like my wife showed me a um a post from one of her, one of our friends on facebook the other day uh who knows i do this podcast and i hope you're listening joe and put a Put a post out something along the lines of wait we pay taxes and then we pay sales taxes and then we pay income taxes and then we pay property taxes and then we pay um, tax taxes and then we then we die and we pay more taxes like you know W T F yeah and like yeah yeah N- you know just 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 reply Bitcoin underneath and you know let's <laughs> let's just keep the message there but um, yeah do you think this is th- th- this kind of awakening. And what's going on? And our governments, are they kind of shooting themselves in the foot with what they're doing right now? I mean, they they, they think they have this almighty power and they're taking away civil liberties around the world. I just see another bullet go in the foot every time they make an announcement. I'm like, guys, you have no idea the
0: bear you are poking right now. Totally. Uh, Yes to all the above, I think. I think that you know, I, I frequently think about the analogy of um, uh, a frog being boiled. Uh, that, you know, if you, uh, if, to people who haven't heard this one, if you, uh, if you toss a, a live frog in a pot of currently boiling water, uh, it'll jump out immediately. But if you put a frog in room temperature water and then slowly turn up the heat, it won't jump out because at at any given moment, there's not any shocking change in its environment such that it jumps out. Um, And that's where you know that's the experiment that our that the middle class, the bottom 90% really has been subjected to over the last 50 years with, uh, rising wealth inequality ever since 1971. Um, at some point, that is unsustainable and uh, the, the cracks are there and, and growing bigger and uh, you know, the, the Fed is in this between a rock and a hard place and th- their choice is to allow a deflationary spiral to uh, wash out the bad debts that have accumulated over 50 years because they haven't allowed a deflationary spiral to, to really reset the system in 50 years um, which would cause a depression. So you're either faced with allowing the biggest depression in modern history, uh, or keep printing money and print more money. Um, so of course they're going to choose that and kick the can down the road. But the problem with that is that the more money you print, the worse the reckoning is eventually. So, you know, the, when you, when you, realize that they're heading towards a disaster and yet Bitcoin is on a a completely opposite trajectory of every four years it gets harder, uh, better, you know, institutionally more plugged in. Um, You know, the, the Lindy effect grows. It's more trustable and UX, UI improves as well because of all the contributions of layer two and other other apps being um you know built to to make it easier for people to to get a stake in bitcoin uh those are two very different paths heading in different directions and it's only a question of of how much longer before people jump out of that boiling pot and into the 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 safety of of bitcoin
1: yeah the cold plunge pool of Bitcoin
0: yeah yeah (laughs) it's shocking at first but it feels a lot better than a than a boiling pot of water (laughs) (laughs) um
1: what's um you know we 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 come from the financial world we won't talk about exactly what it is you do in the financial world um this last few weeks uh and we were you know dming each other about this about the micro strategy news and it's on the lips of every podcaster um out there at the moment um and i got to hand it to to um to michael i mean i don't know how ma- mm-hmm. he's churning these out so many it's yeah. just amazing you know uh, michael i'm waiting for that knock at the door um so <laughs> but one thing that's striking is i've not seen him i i i don't watch them but you certainly see the, the like um if it were to happen, we would, as Bitcoin Twitter, we would see a clip of SNBC or CNBC or Squawk Box or, you know, Bloomberg or something. Yep. What the hell? Because yeah. I haven't seen any. I've not seen them even, I've not even seen a headline from, like, mainstream media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is going on? Like, what? Yeah, I have no did, idea. Yeah, um, <laughs> and this has been a few weeks, right? Since when was their original
0: uh, uh, the original announcement? It was like uh, the first week of September? Yeah, it was a month ago. Yeah, it was a month ago. I don't know. I don't know why mainstream media doesn't doesn't talk about this. It's a, it's a chronic problem that extends back. You know, in 2017, the the journalism about Bitcoin was garbage too. Um, I wonder if it's, you know, a, a suppression of the, of the story or if it's just that, you know, journalists are, are the consummate yuppies in a way, that they are plugged into the system. And, and, and they don't really, even, even financial journalists don't really understand economics. They don't understand what money is. Um, you know, if you or I didn't, they don't either. Uh, so nobody in those newsrooms has any idea what Bitcoin is and that I hope will change. Um, I really hope that, you know, if the next year plays out the way that we think it will, uh, that some mainstream newsrooms welcome, um, op-eds or articles by like dyed in the wool Bitcoiners who actually know what they're talking about. Um, I'm skeptical that that would actually happen because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's like saying that here, step aside, we'll do your job better, uh, but we would. But I'm hoping that, you know, maybe the New York Times or LA Times or CNN allows actual good articles to be written by Bitcoiners. But then again, they'd have to um, navigate, they'd have to figure out why Bitcoin is important and, and figure out that we shouldn't allow uh, crypto experts to be writing these articles. We need to go to the Bitcoiners. Um, so it's going to be a while. Uh, I, I continue to allow for, I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they just don't know. They just don't know that this is a big story because they think that Bitcoin is still internet monopoly money.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So, MicroStrategy news hits. You're sitting at your desk. What do you do?
0: Yeah. Well, my first thought was this is this is one of the big milestones. This is one of the biggest milestones in Bitcoin's march into the mainstream. Like, in my mind, the three big categories of. Like blue-chip mainstream adoption are governments, um, corporations, and like big-name investors like Paul Tudor Jones. So in the span of, of three or four months, we got Paul Tudor Jones coming out and saying, Bitcoin's going to be the fastest horse over the next decade. And then three months later, certainly influenced by Paul Tudor Jones I, I don't know if Michael Saylor has said that directly but I can't imagine that he wasn't uh, microstrategy makes this this huge announcement that they're not they're not taking a 1% or 5% hedge position they're going 60% and then eventually what is it 90 95% bitcoin adopting a bitcoin standard and that's two out of three blue chip mainstream adoption categories having a, a you know zero to one moment in the span of four months. Uh, that it's one of the biggest developments and in, it in, in also one of the biggest de-risking events in Bitcoin's history. That now a precedent has been set. The market responded positively. The stock's up 20% between those two days alone. Uh, People want companies to be putting some of their treasury in Bitcoin. And now every other treasurer and CFO and CEO is aware of that. And some of them are talking about it. And Jeff Booth has already said he's had, he's had, he had two audit committee conversations about this in the span of a week on bo- you know, for boards he's on. Somebody else is going to do this it's going to take six months for them to get the approval and and their ducks in a row and, and actually do it but that zero to one turns into a trickle and then it turns into a flood. Uh, it's a big moment. it really
1: is man and I you know it, it's still blowing my mind. Um, I was just about getting to grips with the original announcement and then bam. Mm-hmm. The next announcement, I was like, "Oh my god!" Now the gloves are yeah. off. This is just ridiculous. This this fuse is lit and it's short, yep. and we are moonbound, and there's no stopping it. And to your point, what, you know, when you say you know it derisks um, Bitcoin, um, for those listeners that might be kind of like uh, not understanding what you mean by that, like in financial um, marketry talk. Um, could you could you just
0: um, explain it? Yeah, so I I, th- I think about that it was a de-risking event, particularly for uh, how people view Bitcoin. Um, yeah, uh, in the same way that Paul Tudor Jones sort of uh, uh, by him coming out, Paul Tudor Jones is is a big name in finance, extremely respected uh, billionaire, and He's on the dream team. If you're going to pick you know, five, you're starting five uh, dream team Wall Street investors, Paul Tudor Jones is on there. Uh, he de-risked, de-risked Bitcoin for other investors by saying, actually, I think Bitcoin is, is good. So every other person in, in finance can now point to Paul Tudor Jones saying, actually, Bitcoin's legit and has some real merit to it. And not only that, I, I think it's going to be the fastest horse. Um, so that is is a, a form of de-risking. And then Michael Saylor coming out and, and doing that for MicroStrategy is the same thing, but for public companies, which in uh, the public company environment involves, uh, as you all can imagine, a lot, of, uh, a lot of red tape, a lot of politics, a lot of... Um, you know, consensus building and trying to get board members to agree to this or that and everything moves slowly because uh, everybody who's at the top of these organizations is incentivized to be conservative in their actions. Um, but then MicroStrategy, because of its unique characteristics of, of Michael Saylor having a controlling vote, was able to, to you know be the first through the door and uh, and do this, and then how the market reacts to that is really important. The stock's up 20 percent. Uh, that's huge. And so, MicroStrategy makes this move it is is rewarded for doing so. And that de-risks it, this conversation for every other board and CEO and CFO who wants to point to some precedent of this is a good idea. Uh, and yeah, so that. It makes it easier for subsequent people to follow.
1: I've actually been talking to a, a friend of mine who've, uh, who's a CIO. And I said, mate, like guys in your kind of position right now, you're down to two choices. Mm-hmm. Do you face being laughed out of the boardroom on Monday morning for bringing up Bitcoin? Or do you face getting sacked in six months' time for not bringing up Bitcoin? It's that simple like for me you know it's it, yeah. it has this conversation has to take place across every single not even just publicly listed private companies as well and there are there are many many private companies out there that are already doing this i've had a few on the show what gives me hope is like the private guys that are doing this they they're a year ahead you know yeah yeah. That's amazing. And we've been saying for so long this is the time guys. This is this is our chance this is our chance to get into a financial asset before Wall Street has even woken up. Before yep. any hedge fund, any sovereign wealth fund, any any bank, any government. This was it. This was the chance. Yep. It still is. Be-
0: because because all of those institutions are designed to move slowly. Uh, they can't quickly adopt true disruption. They can adopt Zoom overnight, you know, like, oh, we're switching our video conferencing platform to Zoom because that's not really disruption. Uh, what Bitcoin represents is, is disruption of the deepest layer of of our society. Literally the base layer of humanity, of, of human civilization is what is money. And, and this is the... <laughs> The singular moment in in human history that we're switching from money is physical to money is digital, uh, and that's a really really big disruption. So I- institutions that are designed to move slowly are are slow here, and this is all of our as individuals opportunity to 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 get ahead of them in a game that rewards early adoption by uh, orders of magnitude. It's not a small reward. It's a huge reward. The price that we're, that Bitcoin is at is still effectively the same as before Paul Tudor Jones, before MicroStrategy, before the halving. Every, every 10 minutes, there's 6.25 Bitcoin less being introduced to, to, as supply to go meet demand in the market than there was before the halving. And yet the price is still the same, and it's only a matter of time until that changes. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: it, we've got huge, great, big smiles on our face because we know this to be true. Um, yeah. And how they pulled this off blows my mind. Like they were like three second DCAing the market.
0: <laughs> like you know. Amazing. It's- Ridiculous. <laughs> Buying zero point one nine Bitcoin every three seconds for a few weeks—I think it was—amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and the fact that the fact that the price didn't move is is huge. Um, there's sort of this uh, rule of thumb that really big institutions can't touch an asset class until it's worth a trillion dollars, because they can't. You can't decide to move ten billion dollars into an asset class if it's a hundred billion dollars because you're gonna you're gonna drive the the price to through the roof. Um, so the the rule of thumb is it needs to be bigger than a trillion before you can if you're a pension fund or or you know fidelity or some some big player like that to to dip your toe in. You know dipping a toe in for fidelity is, Uh, uh, billions um but bitcoin because of uh bitcoin just just passed with flying colors on this this test of what happens if a quarter billion dollars is deployed into bitcoin didn't move the price at all nobody knew nobody could tell that there was a buyer buying 0.19 bitcoin every three seconds for for days and days uh that's a really big milestone that makes Bitcoin a little bit more viable for every institution that considers it going forward.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a great point, And this isn't talked about enough, actually. This, this um, kind of an asset has to have a certain market cap before it's even sniffed at by mm-hmm. like a, a huge pension fund, sovereign wealth fund, whatever you want to call it. Um, sometimes even um, uh, like banks, like trading desks on banks, you know, the, you know and there could be other metrics, right? It has to meet a certain um, price to earnings ratio uh, that, um, that they're not allowed to touch. You know, there, there's like, there could be two or three metrics that need to line up before that even comes on your, your to-do list. Um, we're still so early
0: because nope. we're still, still so, so early. early
1: and anyone listening to this that uh, if you weren't already bullish AF then you know get bullish because yeah. there's you know the game hasn't even started
0: yet you know like let's talk about the big picture let's talk yes. about like, if, if, this, if this thing continues on the trajectory that it, it appears programmatically, deterministically set to, to follow, it takes over the world. Uh, it becomes the, the only absolutely scarce store of value asset whose properties are better than every other store of value asset. Uh, and how much money is there in the world floating around looking for a good store of value? Something like $200 trillion. Uh, in, in today's money, and, and the economy only grows over time, too, so that, that, that'll grow in the future. And we're talking about the, the singular event of going from physical to digital. This is the digital revolution that we are in the midst of coming from money. Uh, and for 75,000 years, we've been using physical, scarce money going back to shell money in in the earliest evidence of, of shell money in caveman days. Um, And now we have a better scarcer store of value asset. So it's possible that it goes, you know, that, that it's worth $200 trillion of in today's money in not that long in our lifetimes. And the, the, the magnitude of that is, So dizzying and impossible, Mm -hmm. but there it is. It's like when you dig in and do the analysis, it's right. It's all there. It's all pointing towards that that outcome. Uh, And yet, you're still in in an opportunity right now, where you, if you're a lurker, can contribute to the conversation, and um, you know, exchange messages with the formative thinkers. Of the early days of bitcoin like i, I think about right now as as our uh, athenian agora you know where all the thinkers in in athens congregated that's bitcoin twitter um we're just talking about it you know the new and latest uh revolution in, in thought um it's like uh Right right now, you have an opportunity to be one of the the lesser signatures on the Declaration of Independence. If you participate in the conversation and and contribute some piece, you're there. That puts you on the Declaration of Independence for Bitcoin, um, the greatest revolution of, of our time. What what a time to be alive!
1: It really is, and you know, this I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Like, yeah, could you imagine like going back to what you were just saying about you know Athens and like the great thinkers coming to like and to to <laughs> to, to pull the Bitcoin Twitter analogy with that most people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, there's, you know, it's just full of a bunch of idiots and, and, you know, it's like, you know what? (laughs) I'm sure they were having a bit of banter as well back in Athens at the same time as, you know, thinking all this shit through. Uh, Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing to have been able to listen to their conversations at some point? Yeah. This is what's going to happen in a hundred to 200 years time. Like, uh, The amount that's being written, the amount that's being broadcast, the podcasts and, you know, things like conversations like this that, you know, people are going to be like studying in in hundreds of years of time, um, that blows my mind. It blows my mind that we could, you know, nothing's been documented like this ever in history where everybody has a voice, thank you to the internet, whether you are writing a blog post or whether you're writing long form or whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're making memes or whether you're making YouTube videos. You know, Richard James was on recently with his hard money film. These things, you know, the internet's forever, right? And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a mind-blowing. And to be able to think that you are here right now, part of this, if you're listening, you're part of this. And, you know, people like, you know, you, you can text safe like he's going to be the measiest of our generation <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> He's
0: like, on the hall know. of fame he's in the hall of fame right. of uh, economists yes it's
1: it's mad it's it gives you know it just fills me with such hope and optimism and, and this is a part of bitcoin that i want people to understand like the hope that it gives you and the the optimism and how it changes you fundamentally and um you know how you want to you know, change how you live. You know, um, yeah. Look after your health and spend more time with your family. Done all of that. Like that's yep. all ticked off. And but
0: but but you do all of that, and you're still only doing it for yourself. There's one more step you can take. You know, if if you believe that we are in this incredible moment in time, and you're not sharing that with the people that you care about. Yes, it's gonna, you're going to have conversations where you're just frustrated and you get nowhere. But that's one of the touch points, one of the three touch points that that person that you care about is going to need before they invest in Bitcoin. So fall on that sword. You have, you know, if, if this is what we think it is, everybody has an opportunity right now to be, to be a legend in their community in their friends and family for being the person that figured it out first and was telling them and helping hold their hand. They're like, actually you really should be looking into this a little bit more just buy a hundred dollars of it. Just get a tiny bit of skin in the game because you're not comfortable with any more than that. But the only way you get comfortable is by having some skin in the game. So just take this first baby step with me. I'll hold you, hold your hand. Uh, you can be that person. And it, I, I guess it's been interesting for me to, to realize that you know, I, I have, uh, I've had a, a successful career in the traditional um, realm. And yet I'm now realizing that I think my legacy is going to be defined by how many people I, I bring into Bitcoin. Like that. That's it. That's what's going to move the needle the most for the people in my world. Uh, the, the contribution that I can make that's going to impact the world most and most notably, like my my world, uh, the most. The people in my world. Um, so so you, ha- you you make the personal changes, and it changes you and that's a beautiful and incredible thing and it does it gives you so much value now it's your turn to propagate that further it's your it's your obligation your responsibility to propagate that to the people that you care about the people that you want to have financial security 20 years from now text them about bitcoin and start that conversation
1: that's a call to arms from Croesus right there that's, this is how we cross the
0: chasm. That's right. That's, it's the only way. The propagation of, of uh, word-of-mouth marketing is how you get to the mainstream. Love and it. it's going to happen. But So if you, if you don't do it for your family and friends, they're going to wonder. I actually had this experience in, after the last bull market of, of I had been in, all you know, 2016, wrote it up in 2017, and some of my friends were like, kind of pissed off that I hadn't mentioned it, it which was a, a big surprise to me. Like, like, wait, you're you're actually kind of annoyed that I didn't like tell you about this thing that I that I didn't think you'd be interested in, and the truth is they wouldn't have been interested in in it because it you know sounded crazy, um, but. Yeah, that's, that's a risk too. You, you, everybody has to, to realize that there are, there are pros and cons to both sides. And uh, it, I think, makes a lot more sense to, to share what you know if you believe that this is a big deal.
1: Man, you're inspiring me. I got I to gotta get back out there and start um, making sure people – because you give up on people.
0: Yeah, uh, totally.
1: You, 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 you know, you take all the punches on the way and you, you end up getting um, a little bit um, hurt yeah. by the constant... Belittling. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. So that's the game. I've just got to stick with it. And I know I do the podcast and you'd think that's probably enough, but it's not because I've now got to start individually texting people links to these podcasts every single time. Uh, And not just to get my numbers up, but just to like, just be in their faces and like, you know, I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be the guy that had the Bitcoin podcast that didn't text as many people about it as possible when we hit hundred K, right. You know, then, then I'm going to feel like a dick.
0: And, and at the same time like the, you're you're gonna get hurt by uh, by pushing people and i I think about um a marketing um, concept of uh people have a buying window where mm-hmm. like if you're if you if you're seeing ads for uh, new cars most of the time you're completely uninterested in like I, I don't need a new car that's not my buying window is completely closed to new cars. Um, But then there's a small window of time where suddenly that window opens, your your buying window opens and you're receptive to information about new cars. Um, That's marketing. That's true here too of uh, people are not open to Bitcoin and you might hit them. You know, they might have had. Uh, they might have heard about MicroStrategy. I had a friend who just told me he's going to buy fifty thousand dollars of Bitcoin because MicroStrategy was the thing that tipped him over the edge. Um, that's big. That and and for the last two years, I've been that annoying friend who has gotten nowhere with him, uh, and he has has sort of dismissed and and sometimes almost mocked uh, the links that I've sent him. But it that was important in in helping him get primed so that now, now he's in. Uh, So yeah, you know, the rejection happens, but if this is as big of a deal as we think it is, if this is this moment in history where it's the biggest wealth transfer in history and and you can define whether or not your financial future is one of security and, and uh, comfort or, you know, struggle in the, in continuing struggle in the, the hellscape of the near future. Uh, now's the time. Now's the time to, to put it, put yourself out there, you know, with this information to friends and family, knowing that their buying window is probably going to be closed, but that, that primes them for when, when the, the next news about, let's say a government announces they're buying bitcoin and adding it to their reserves well if you've told them about micro strategy it might click when that happens so it, it all it all matters and and it's in every i think in everybody's selfish interest to be that guy who was mocked and made of in the short term but in the long term is the reason that that you know your friends are financially secure in in the new paradigm
1: yeah for sure and um yeah it's gonna take a hell of a lot of high levels of staying humble to to stave off that
0: vindication kind of you know it's (laughs) so true (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah there, there have been i've had enough uh I mean i wrote an article about why why my friends are dismissive about bitcoin because <laughs> that has come from a lot of conversations where i've been uh i've been i've been mocked uh it's gonna be hard to not say i told you so but i'm gonna try i'll probably fail but i'm gonna try <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's start talking about some of um you know like uh, if Paul Tudor Jones and uh, MicroStrategy, These these are like the first couple of dominoes to fall. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's concentrate on micro strategy. Uh, What's some of the ripple effects that that you see playing out that possibly people aren't talking about yet or, or haven't thought about? Um, have You've got anything on your mind?
0: Yeah, uh, I guess the the thing that pops out to me is people have been fixated on like. What does Apple do? What does Twitter do? You know surely they'll buy some now. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's those are the next dominoes. I think that in the microstrategy story, the, the key piece of information is Michael Saylor had controlling, a controlling vote, a controlling say. I think 97 percent of the voting shares uh, of that company. So it's, it's his show, and, and he decided it. Um, and because corporations, particularly public ones are really slow and designed to be slow, um, you I think that the, the next dominoes to fall are going to be companies that are majority controlled by, by an individual. And that individual f- figures out that Bitcoin is, is a big deal, um, And so I think it'll be similar. Like I'd never heard of MicroStrategy before a few months ago. I think it's going to be more of those. Um, That'll be the trickle. And then, yeah, I think Apple figures it out before GE or something like that. You know, the uh, manufacturing companies figure it out. Um, I think tech companies that understand network effects and have a lot of cash on their balance sheets will, will figure it out before, you know other traditional um more more traditional companies do but but i think it's going to be the majority controlled uh by one person companies that we haven't heard of they're going to be the next few
1: and if analysts are doing their job right and i don't know whether they they will be because i don't know how they're viewing this um you know th- th- Every Q3 report now has to be poured over with Command F, with that sentence mm-hmm. from the Q2 filing from MicroStrategy, and I, you know, I'll paraphrase it. You know, we are we will be looking at alternative investments for our 500 million of um, you know cash balance. Mm-hmm. Like those words, alternative investments. I don't know. Like, you know well, that's what we've got to be looking for, right? If, you are, if that's your job, if you, are stu- if you are picking stocks, if you are picking individual stocks, that has to be the flag you're looking for. And so what you want is a company kind of under the radar with uh, a long-term CEO who has um, you know, a good percentage of the board and at least $100 million on, on on the balance sheet in cash. Yep, and that's completely. Th- and that statement in their Q3.
0: Yeah. And the yeah. If if you're if you're trying to pick stocks about like who who's gonna who's gonna make this move and, and possibly see a ten percent jump, that that would be how I would approach it too. Uh, and you're right. The 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 quarterly reports are going to be interesting every every quarter. especially over the next year and a half of, of, uh, as the halvings scarcity plays itself out, um, there's, there's a fire lit of under every CFO right now. Uh, and it, you know, that fire might be, uh, you know, far beneath them. So they barely feel it, but that's going to get more and more near, uh, and and felt more intensely as the you know, Federal Reserve continues on its track, and Bitcoin starts to you know reap the benefits of the supply shock from the halving.
1: I'm going to start an initiative now to get as many of Bit- as many people from Bitcoin Twitter onto the uh, MicroStrategy uh, Q3 earnings call and see if we can't just like <laughs> make that the biggest earnings call ever known to man. And if we, <laughs> if we, can, get, if we can get Michael to open the, uh, the, the questions to uh, like Elon style, right? Elon opens the questions to um, just um, like pleb stockholders. I think that would just be the, the most fun. That could be the, the best earnings call ever. I've listened to many and they're usually pretty dour.
0: Yeah, they're pretty boring. (laughs) Uh, That would be amazing. We'll see.
1: (laughs) Well, here's a ripple effect that, you know, we we kind of discussed briefly on DMs, and it's been something that's playing on my mind. It's, um, you know, when MicroStrategy can turn around and start offering full contracts and full employment in Bitcoin. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, this is... It was having Preston Pish on the show that, that... like kind of opened my mind to this. It's like when this starts happening, and he was months before um, the announcement. So, you know, huge hat tip to Preston.
0: But then, you know, he was like... I think Preston might have, I think Preston might have incepted Michael Saylor. I I think because, you know, Preston had put that out there and he was on a few podcasts saying, this is what I would do if I had a lot of cash on my balance sheet. And then four months later, that happens. I, I think that played in.
1: Man, uh, you know, if you're listening, Preston, you're getting some huge respect here. Um, and on, on our show, he, he went on to talk about then the transfer of wealth is really, you know, set alight. Because, you know, Michael and MicroStrategy will be in a position to attract the top talent from like, you know, and we know the talents in the Bitcoin space, those people that are looking for, you know, any kind of uh, a role, but, you know, specifically to microstrategy, perhaps as engineering, um, computer science, um, you know, computer programming, that might be looking to be paid full time in Bitcoin, then my goodness, like, you know, Warren Buffett talks about building moats. If you are (laughs) microstrategy,
0: like... (laughs) You're on a big. They have a hell of a moat now. <laughs> they've, all, you know,
1: they've got an unbridgeable moat almost. Um, you're on a Bit- yeah. standard, and now you're offering, you know, the top talent, the best wages
0: paid in Bitcoin. Like game on. It's it's pretty comical to think about, like if if Bitcoin follows the track that we think it will. Uh, <laughs> MicroStrategy owns one five hundredth of all the Bitcoin that will ever be, <laughs> and and uh, Michael Saylor said, "I'm holding this for a hundred friggin' years." Uh, <laughs> they are they are going to be a household name if they do that. They are, you know, there's not many people who can or or companies or countries that can have that much Bitcoin. And the competitive advantage that that creates in terms of attracting talent, you know, if you're paying in a in a Bitcoin standard, is huge. The competitive advantage it, it creates in terms of uh, your free cash flows uh, is, is comical. Uh, about what it's going to enable their business to do, um, they could you know just dominate their their whole sector if they want or they, you know alternatively they spin out like a a trust um entity that is that is the the microstrategy bitcoin holdings or, um you know and, and free it up as like a de facto ETF uh they they have options yeah
1: okay let's let's not uh, a de facto ETF could you could you explain to oh so. it might not be in the markets
0: uh exactly yeah. by that um, so, well, let's talk about, uh, how do, how do people who just do stocks get exposure to Bitcoin today? They're really the only vehicle is to buy a grayscale Bitcoin trust shares of that. Um, and what that is, is, is grayscale, the company has created a trust entity, uh, uh, a company whose balance sheet is entirely made up of bitcoin. so it's it's just a Bitcoin um, fund that is wrapped in a trust entity that has shares that it can offer to the market. So when you buy um, a grayscale Bitcoin trust share, you own a a, a small percentage of the underlying Bitcoin. That that company is entirely made of uh, and an ETF is is essentially that uh, it's um, a when you buy an ETF you're buying things that represent that asset uh, and and there's some variety about that with different commodities but it's a way to have pure exposure to a certain commodity um, so if if microstrategy wanted to and i think that there would be some serious regulatory problems with this but um it's possible that they could uh, you know spin out part of their balance sheet from the from microstrategy the company and create a separate company that uh just had bitcoin on its balance sheet um I, you know, I don't think that they—I don't think that Michael Saylor intends to do this. But uh, if Bitcoin was to 10x, maybe there'd be interest in that, and maybe it would be you know, something you would consider. You could isolate the Bitcoin on the balance sheet as a way for people to, through the stock market, get exposure to just Bitcoin without actually investing in MicroStrategy, the, the business model.
1: And what's interesting excuse me what's interesting about that is um, you know to there's a premium to buy grayscale right if you're, mm-hmm. if you're buying grayscale just to, for the exposure to to bitcoin, there's a premium you pay you pay I think it's it might be anywhere between 15 20 percent at the moment um, whereas if you buy and that's all you get Bitcoin and you pay. Right. You know, yep. If you buy MicroStrategy, you're getting the exposure to Bitcoin at probably I don't know, like a, a fair market price to, to Bitcoin, but also the
0: the business. You know, it's a double. Yeah. You, you, you know. Yeah. I think I think half of their balance sheet, or maybe it's more like a third, a third of their balance sheet is is Bitcoin. So you're getting if you were to buy MicroStrategy stock, you have you're you currently buying one third Bitcoin exposure, two thirds um, MicroStrategy's traditional business, uh, but that'll change. That proportional change over the next year, and so it could you know if Bitcoin was to 10x suddenly um, the vast majority of the of MicroStrategy's balance sheet is Bitcoin holdings. Um, and the minority, you know, small percent, percentage of uh, MicroStrategy's balance sheet is their their actual business, you know, their day-to-day operations. Um, so that's when it sort of becomes buying MicroStrategy stock is is a way to get exposure to Bitcoin without paying the grayscale premium.
1: And here's another thing that's been weighing on me, and I want to flesh this out with you as well, is... They still have fiat income every month. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah,
0: they're still cash flow positive.
1: They're still cash flow positive. That's got to be going into Bitcoin. Uh, You know, I I don't think. Yeah. Second, they have stopped the dollar cost average into Bitcoin. I mean, do they have to report what they're doing with their free cash flow? Or are they, you know, if you. Let, let's say for, you know let's pull a number out the, of out the air is is 50 million flowing into that business each month and if it is are they gonna be happy just putting it in cash because they know two
0: three percent of that is right. burned just <laughs> yeah interesting and and they did you know they left 75 million in cash of their reserves i think um yeah, if, if you're Michael Saylor and you've taken the orange pill to this extent, you might be putting your cash flows into Bitcoin because, hey, that's another way to to juice returns. Uh, you know, in the in, when you're waiting between the time that that cash flow comes in and the time that you you have expenses, might as well leave it in Bitcoin. So that might be another you know the the free cash flow that. Like strategy today, and hopefully soon other companies are generating, could add to buying pressure every day on Bitcoin um, as companies seek to translate their free cash flow into Bitcoin. Uh, that's just another, another source of buying pressure, um, which... Uh, you know, it's only MicroStrategy today, we think, uh, but you can see a pretty clear path between only MicroStrategy and suddenly a dozen or two dozen companies making millions of dollars every quarter um, seeking to put that into a more reliable treasury asset than dollars.
1: We now have the biggest whale in the market with a clear long, long term hundred year plan on the price of Bitcoin and an incentive to protect the price floor and a huge amount of monthly cash flow.
0: I mean yep. I'm just joining the dub. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. And, and, and that's just companies. You th- you think about like the 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 net worth of the world um American HODL pulled out an interesting stat of like you know a, a, a tiny perc- or tiny percentage of of the world controls two hundred trillion dollars of 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 wealth. Not all of it is seeking a store or a value asset, but a lot of it is. Uh, if one percent of that was to be diverted into Bitcoin. Um that's two trillion dollars. And that like if that was one to one converted into Bitcoin, that would put Bitcoin's uh, price you know north of hundred thousand dollars. But that's not how this asset works because as you know not everybody's Bitcoin is is available for sale. and each incremental each dollar that comes into the market, bids up the price such that that impacts all of the 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 total value of the asset class through that through that one transaction all of the bitcoin holdings are impacted so it's not a one-to-one it's something more than that and any 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 scale beyond one-to-one it it gets pretty crazy like if it's if it's four to one just a one percent hedge from a tiny, tiny, tiny portion of the world's population that controls a ton of wealth—the billionaire class—that um, if they figure out, okay, I should probably have a a hedge. That right there could be five hundred thousand dollars per per Bitcoin. But in Michael Saylor's case, once he learned enough about Bitcoin, you know, when he was like, all right, maybe I should look into Bitcoin. Maybe it's a good hedge he didn't stop at 1%. He went 90%. So anything more than, than, you know, the, the ultra rich diverting some of their net worth into Bitcoin as a hedge, anything more than a 1% hedge is, is where it gets really, truly crazy.
1: (laughs) And, yeah there's no way in the world i mean when this thing starts taking
0: off yeah do you think that uh Preston has talked about escape velocity what what's your take on that it it's an interesting idea do you have you heard about this
1: no not exactly
0: no I've okay
1: The you know yeah give me the um...
0: so his his idea there is that at some point, we hit a tipping point where we, we stop having um, four-year cycles and the, the rush of money into Bitcoin as people try to you know land grab their stake of the future uh, is such that <clears throat> we don't follow any model uh, anymore, that we, we break the stock-to-flow model to the upside. Um, And there's not really any coming down it's the eternal september idea from the internet where that's this old idea that i think it's from aol help um like the support staff on aol uh were suddenly like one september it it, they, they they would have like the the rush of new users each september as people went back to school or back to their jobs and, and have to, you know, get onboarded to this new thing called the internet. <clears throat> and then one year that busy season that usually happened in September never stopped because it just hit this inflection point, this tipping point where suddenly everybody, everybody got it and everybody wanted in on the internet. Um, and that, that the, I guess this escape velocity idea is that, Uh, do we hit that for Bitcoin? What's your take on that? I think it's inevitable.
1: I think it's just, um, you know, as we were discussing earlier in the show, um, like the big money, thankfully, is still going to be the last in. But once that comes in, because of like their constraints and like uh, the, the regulations around they can't invest in an asset that is less than X amount of hundreds of, you know, Billions of of market cap or whatever. Um, the, the <laughs> yes, the S two F model is going to break down at some point because all models break down. But it breaks down to the upside.
0: There's no doubt. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I hope so. I hope you're right. Yeah. I, I I have like, uh, so once once you see Bitcoin, it's so hard to imagine not seeing it. But but I, I guess I I come back to like. Well, you know, my friends, my my B school friends are are so not there yet, so far from it, so far from being open to thinking about it, let alone getting down the, the rabbit hole. So I, I I guess I imagine like the the stock to flow model is directionally correct for several um cycles before before the volatility has decreased enough that it's just an obvious part of, of how the world works. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I hope, it, I hope it gets shattered to the upside, but uh, I imagine that the sluggishness of learning will be more formidable than, than us Bitcoiners imagine.
1: I hope we get another four years, to be honest. I hope we get another, you know, um, I I think everyone here listening uh, who studied the S2F and studied, has been here, you know, a couple of years or whatever, I think, come the middle of next year, will be um, $100,000 Bitcoin uh, to the north side of that. Um, But I would like to see, not not a, a crippling winter, perhaps like the one we've just been through, but yeah. significant dip that is big enough to to bring the next wave of um, like uh, the, the the middle to lower classes in before um, you know before that huge adoption from the 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 Wall Street firms or, or whatever else
0: that. Mm-hmm that would be great um yeah right yeah i I, it's hard for me to imagine uh everybody figuring it out you know within the next two years Mm. uh maybe but this is this is such a deep thing to unlearn and have disrupted um that i think it's it's going to be more drawn out and more incremental. Uh, and and I think that would be a good thing, because you're right, that the longer we follow the stock-to-flow idea, you know, it, obviously the stock-to-flow model, like, we don't know if it's 55000 where it's supposed to go to, or $288,000 for uh, this next reward, this current reward era. Um, where the quote-unquote like price equilibrium should be, uh, and the, you know, obviously the idea of the stock-to-flow model is that we, the price drifts up towards the correct equilibrium, but in that uh, journey it builds momentum and overshoots it because of the enthusiasm of of the masses in in, in a mania, and in that mania. Uh, brings on a ton of of additional mining power um and overextends people's um, positions and then the ensuing crash uh is is more painful uh, is painful because all of that uh, excess has to be undone so it undershoots where it's quote unquote supposed to be um and then the you know the year or, or two after that is the dampening down of volatility as it homes in on on the quote unquote correct price level whatever that is whether that's 55,000 or or 288 um or somewhere outside of that even but uh i think that the the model it provides like a really um reasonable uh, explanation of the mechanics at play that that you know projecting forward seems like it 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 adheres to what you'd expect as incremental slices of the adoption curve come on board um, and additional halvings keep doing their their thing with supply-demand equilibrium.
1: What keeps you up at night? Like, what what, what for you wrecks Bitcoin? I mean, I know what keeps you up at night is like the moon. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, yeah, the same for me, um, like, uh, you know, that my mind is very hard to sleep sometimes when you, you play all of these potential things out and what it can mean for society and civilization and, you know, like the, yeah, the it can bring to, you know, people like, um, like you, know, you and I, and people that are listening that have, have been lucky enough to educate ourselves about this early. Um, But what about on the
0: the other side of the coin do you ever think about it like Uh, totally all the time um uh, i I forget who has said this recently but you know the the biggest threat to bitcoin is um central bank uh, central banks acting responsibly uh, (laughs) which isn't going to happen basically they've chosen their path They've, they've very vocally committed to printing to increasing inflation as the solution to our to our problems when in, in fact it 's the the root cause um, so I think that's the, that's the biggest threat to Bitcoin, but i'm more worried about the threat to bitcoiners um, of persecution really that that 's what worries me um, and I think is also part of why i I want to propagate the the benefits of bitcoin the uh the message of bitcoin to as many people in the bottom ninety percent as possible as soon as possible um, because from the outside bitcoin looks like a system that you know rewarded early adopters and it's unfair because of it. When it's like, come, like, come on, like, do you feel that way about people who invested early in Amazon? That's, that's, you know, we don't view that as unfair. We, we view that as having foresight. Uh, but you know, with the turmoil that would happen, will happen probably um, in a currency collapse of the dollar. By the way, if people haven't read Ray Dalio's. Uh, changing world order. Uh, that is an incredible piece. And and Ray Dalio isn't a Bitcoiner, and he he's, in fact is still on the record as being sort of anti Bitcoin. But he is worried about the U.S. dollar losing its reserve currency status because we have followed all of the the fingerprints of what happens when all of the previous reserve currencies over the last 1,500 years in the world, um, what have they done in the waning days of their position as the reserve currency of the world in their respective eras? And we've done all of them. Uh, So that, I highly recommend that. It's it's a a piece that uh, Bitcoiners aren't as aware of, I think, but um, anyway. yeah, so I'm worried about persecution. Um and that could come from governments uh but I but the I think the bigger wild card is is how do the masses view people who got bitcoin early? Um, understood bitcoin early and uh, you know how how do they feel about that in when they are in a, a state of uh of, of financial collapse it it could get could get nasty and that's that's a bigger worry uh than anything else i think for me i'm not that worried about bitcoin um not working i'm certainly not worried about altcoins uh superseding bitcoin so that, that's really the only thing that that bothers me that, that keeps me up how about you
1: yeah i think about that a lot and then um I I you know, it's not like um wealth inequality hasn't been a thing before. I, I try and focus on um you know, faith in humanity. It's like would would people really march on your house with pitchforks and, you know, burning torches if if they knew that you might own some Bitcoin or if you had a Bitcoin podcast or you written a Bitcoin article? And to your point, like, you know, they're not going to do that to people that owned Amazon stock. I mean, how many millionaires are there in the world that, you know, that they just go around their daily life and people know they're millionaires because they turn up in their flash cars and, and whatever. Um, yeah. So I have that hope, <laughs> you know. Um, my op blown to shit. So, you know, I've got to... <laughs> 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 so that's the kind of way I'm trying to, to, to think about it. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we are doing nothing but trying to help people understand. I don't think anyone can ever take that claim away. It's, um, right. Know, um, so maybe I'm being this eternal optimist far too broadly. Um, and many, many people listening to me like, ah, what are you talking about? You got to live in a citadel and get yourself a gun and whatever else. Um, that doesn't sound like a fun existence. You know, I, yeah, exactly. I still want to be able to interact with as many people around the world as possible and, and, and share the love of, of Bitcoin and still carry on the education. Um, and, and I'm just hopeful that people are going to be way more perceptive to it by then. And uh, I have this hope that prominent Bitcoiners will come out of, you know, to, to Michael Saylor's point, you know, it turned around when he was talking to his board, at least 50% of them had already invested in it impersonally. Like where other sleepers,
0: you know, right? And uh, so the peaceful revolution idea,
1: right. So that's that's my big hope, and yeah, maybe maybe I'm dreamy and uh, and whatever else, but yeah, um, I don't know what I, I you know I'm I'm kind of like committed to the idea that it just can't be stopped, mm-hmm. it can't be stopped. Um, there's gonna be road bumps. And there's going to be um, questionable behavior, and there's going to be new things that come out that people might, you know, rush into. You know, like this week, like the Kraken Bank announcement. Mm-hmm. I can't. Huge. Figure, I can't figure out where I fall on that. You know, I fall oh, on. Oh, interesting. One side, I'm thinking this is awesome. This provides mm-hmm. is for those people that are so tied up in the legacy way of thinking and legacy finance, and if I can just say to someone, look. Here's an institution that started out as a Bitcoin exchange is run by a bitcoiner and um, went through all of the regulations and followed all of the rules and now it's basically like having a bank account but instead of your bank account being dollars it's going to be in Bitcoin and you're going to get an ATM card and maybe even a checkbook uh, you know that's going to entice a lot of people and a lot of boomers um, but on the other hand the, you know that more and more establishments might get those regulations and and go through that red tape and you'll get some bad actors. And also, you know, when you're following regulations, you're at the behest of the regulator and then you could have a 6102 kind of event where all of a sudden your Bitcoin that you thought you had has been rehypothecated back into fiat uh, or or whatever it is, wherever you live. Um, And that's just a worry. And I think that for, for people that have been here in the space a little bit longer and have taken that huge leap of faith away from that legacy system, you know, that's a big jump to get across that, you know, it's mm-hmm. all in a chasm. Like, that's huge. And when you're there, you're like, yeah, it's pretty nice over here. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. be hell-bent to turn around and take the running jump all the way back to it yeah and take your bitcoin with you and give it to someone you're like nah it's you know so i understand it from like an onboarding point of view but for people that have been here in the space it's not for us i don't
0: think yeah right it's not right but it's but it's for the mainstream right which Uh, is but i just don't want the mainstream to fall
1: foul to some bad actors i want the mainstream yeah to become self-sovereign if that's a stepping stone to self sovereignty, then brilliant, I'm all for it. Right. Really I am.
0: Yeah, I think the inevitable truth is that there will be some compromises of you know what the what the original idea of Bitcoin was in terms of how it would be used by people, simply because the like the mainstream person is is not able to live their life in the way that the cypherpunks imagined. They just they lack the techno technical know-how to do that. Um, so for those people, it, you have to build the bridge to get there. And that's going to involve like selling out the the idea of how how Bitcoin should be used to be like, you know, perfectly private and, and perfectly self-sovereign and, you know, hold your keys and all that. Um, you know, like my parents can't, they, you know, they, they, well they have me, but without me, they wouldn't be able to, you know, to set up their own wallet and, and, and store that reliably. Um, but their bank could do that for them. And there's was, there was that uh, announcement this summer, that uh, the, the government regulator who is responsible for uh, banks um, issued guidance on making it officially acceptable for banks to provide uh, cryptocurrency cu- uh, custody for their for their clients, their customers, um, which means that some big bank lobbied for that, petitioned for that guidance to be given. Um, meaning that maybe Bank of America or Wells Fargo is currently planning to roll out a, you know, you have your dollar bank account and you have your Bitcoin bank account and let us provide some, some uh, you know, provide your custody for you for your Bitcoin assets. Oh, you don't have any Bitcoin? Let us help you get some. Um, that's coming to the mainstream because banks want a slice of that action. Um, and it's a it's a sellout of the the pure ideas of what cypherpunks um, you know how cypherpunks want people to interact with Bitcoin, but it's how you get to the mainstream, and it's it's what's necessary, I think. Um, and it will have its pitfalls too. Of course, it, it it will be a less perfect version of the idea, but at its core you still have a hard capped asset that isn't stealing people's money through inflation and that's the biggest thing i think
1: yeah that does not excite me with uh, interesting america getting involved because yeah. i just see they're just gonna do the same shit they're gonna fractionally reserve it they're going to... They're gonna, That's a good point. They're going to entice people with, the. oh, yeah, I can see the pitch now. Oh, you don't have exposure to Bitcoin, madam. Oh, no, no, well, you should do because this, right. that, and the other thing. Well, let us help you do that. And you know, there's only a small fee for us to, you know, we have a very long yep. relationship with X Exchange and blah, blah, blah. I can see all of the spiel already. And totally. Man, okay, madam, you have this Bitcoin. They go buy it from wherever. Um, like, probably... You know, grayscale Bitcoin trust or something on a fractional reserve or rehypothecated kind of model, and you think you've got Bitcoin, but it's all wrapped up in this derivative. That's all right. If you're listening to the show, go get not your keys, not your coin. Like you know, yep, That's <laughs> let's yeah. We, it, and we're still early. We can still we can still sway people. Yes, this
0: conversation. Yes, to the extent that uh, we can propagate that message far enough into the mainstream, that you know you you can't you can't trust a third party to hold your Bitcoin for you, and and that security is probably not the biggest concern there, but rehypothecation is a really big concern. Um, you want to hold your own Bitcoin. To the extent that we can propagate that message, that would be a better world. Um, but you know, there are <laughs> Joe the plumber types are, uh, I think, are are going to be they're 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 going to want somebody to to trust. Um, but even in that, like, that's where Kraken pro- provides a a better. You know, a a, a better ethos, um, better values than Bank of America, mm-hmm. and so them getting a, a banking license in Wyoming—that's great. I think you know, it's 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 cryptocurrency selling out to become the mainstream behemoth that the mainstream needs in order to feel comfortable with this asset. But I would rather Kraken. Uh, be the Bitcoin bank uh, than Bank of America. Um, and so I, so I, I celebrate that Kraken is, is getting that, that, um, that ability. And I hope that they get, you know, uh, I hope that we all point people towards Kraken instead of Bank of America. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Kraken's um, offering is, you know, unencumbered with all of the legacy, like, Issues of a bank and the heavy um, uh, operating costs that, that that banks deal with, um, being a traditional business models, and hopefully the digital disruption extends to to banks. You know, and, and Bitcoin banks, Bitcoin native banks, um, win out over and, and eat market share away from from. Uh, <laughs> The, oh God, I hate banks, <laughs> the traditional banks that, are, that have been so rotted from the inside out because of, of all the lobbying that has created such a terrible environment for the consumer. But that's the hope, I guess, is that, that we, we shift from the shitty form of banking we have to a less shitty form of Bitcoin banking that you know, makes the world a little bit better
1: yeah or a whole lot better a whole lot better a whole lot better all right man well my goodness an hour and 45 minutes is just ah, uh, that flew by yeah that's just absolutely disintegrated in front of our eyes I, <laughs> if you had one red pill left to give oh uh, yeah who would that person be and why
0: so i like thinking of it as the orange pill uh yep i i I think this might be a, a more of an issue in the U.S., um, where the 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 quote the phrase quote red pill is associated now with like far right ideology in the eyes of the liberal establishment. Okay, it's like I guess it's largely associated, if anything, with um, you know obviously it comes from the Matrix, but but the the association that a lot of the liberal establish, establishment have with that phrase these days is around like um, uh, it's sort of the pickup community of like male, female um, interaction uh, and, and red pilling on like what it means to be a man. And that is viewed as misogyny by the left (laughs) because they jumped to that conclusion and without actually looking into what, you know, are there merits to this, um, you know, merit discussion aside, for whatever reason, the left does sort of associate that phrase with far right. I don't know. So I love, I love the phrase, the orange pill, because um, it avoids that uh, entirely. Um, anyway, I, I previously thought that Ray Dalio would be my orange pill. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Ray Dalio, he is also on the dream team of Wall Street investors, um, heading, I think the largest hedge fund in the world. And he's really kind of an academic, uh, guy who, who does a lot of, um, his own research and ha- puts out a very influential, uh, report, uh, that CEOs care about and, and are influenced by, um. So that was my thinking, you know, that would be the the biggest way to move the needle in the in the business establishment. But then uh recently you had you had Seth on who said Xi Jinping uh and that was a brilliant answer. I hadn't even really thought of that. Because Bitcoin is for enemies and if you if you were to make Xi Jinping want as much bitcoin as possible for himself and for China, uh the competitive reaction that that would elicit from the West would be huge. Like you, you would have to respond to that by, by, uh, uh, trying to get as much Bitcoin as possible. So I think Seth nailed it with that one.
1: (laughs) Big shout out to Seth. Um, another Bitcoin Twitter lurker who at the time when he came on the show had like 34 followers. Um, you know, he's, but, uh, he, he, his show went down really, really well. People, people really took to him, and uh, you know, it was a big, brave step for him to to reach out and um, you know, enter my DMs. He he didn't ask to come on the show. I asked him, and he he clearly thought about it uh, a little while. So, um, huge thanks to Seth uh, for bringing that up. And you know, let's hope as well. Like you know, w- with that person in mind you know, once you go down the rabbit hole, Bitcoin changes you fundamentally. And, you know, that that has the... That's the golden hope, I think, for all of us. It's, yeah, sure, we're here for number go up, but we're also here for, you know, a better
0: world. And mm-hmm. this is what Bitcoin brings about. Absolutely. Just nailed it. I, I, it. It it's the only thing going on right now that gives me a a ton of hope for the future. And that hope is, uh, is contagious. So spread it.
1: (laughs) All right, man. Well, where can people come and find you and interact with you and, um, you know, what's coming around the corner? Have you got another piece that uh, you're working on that's going to get released soon?
0: Yeah, I, I have a few articles, um, I'm, ideas I'm kicking around. Now that I've started, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's fun, so I encourage people to to put those ideas out there. Uh, y- you can find me on Twitter, Um, um spelled a little funny. It's C-R-O-E-S-U-S, uh, and yeah, I'm happy to to engage with anybody. You know, reach out if you have any thoughts, questions, follow-ups, or Whatever, happy to chat.
1: Well, that's brilliant, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for inspiring so many other people. Uh, it's great to have met you. Look forward to sharing a beer with you in real life one day.
0: I look forward to that. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and goodness knows what price Bitcoin will be that day, and uh, oh, what ripple effects Micro, micro Strategy has, uh, you know, forced upon. The Bitcoin community. So, uh, thanks again, man. Take care. Uh, thank you. Have a good one. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you again to Croesus for coming on and sharing your message and taking the time you know that the time flew by uh you know we almost hit two hours there and um it it just flowed um you know once we stopped recording we we had another little chat we can believe how quickly it went by but that's what happens when you start talking bitcoin with bitcoiners and um you know very very closely aligned with the the ethos of trying to educate as many people as possible and trying to inspire as many people as possible to come forward with their message you know what is it um what's stopping you right you know like what is take take a close reflect on that if you're listening now and you feel you have a voice and you feel you have something to offer reflect on what's stopping you take a night just one night ask the five whys you know, why am I not sitting down to write? Why am I not making a meme? Why am I not starting a podcast? You'll get to the truth pretty quickly and then you'll realize what a bunch of bullshit that is. I got to step up to the plate here and and start, you know, weighing into this conversation. Because that's all it is. It's a conversation. It's not, um, you know, the, as I touched on earlier in the episode, the difference between altcoins and Bitcoin, altcoins need influencers. Bitcoin has educators and we're already there and we're just looking for more and more people to come in and, um, and, and help build this community. And um, you know, no one's here to force anyone to do anything, but certainly to challenge your mindset and certainly to challenge your beliefs and certainly to challenge, you know, where do you want to be in 5 to 10 years? And um, if you're here, if you're part of Bitcoin Twitter, if you're listening to the podcasts, if you're reading the um, the, the articles, you're part of it. You know, make yourself known. And um, we, we, we're ready for you. Open arms. So it was great to get... Uh, Chris is talking about that because it was him that inspired me in the first place to to really think more deeper about that and um you know the, the role I play and um and what it's going to mean to to people coming in and uh, and listening to these shows and it's um it's very humbling and uh, I think I say that uh all the time and uh you know but that that is heartfelt so if you're out there and you're listening if just one more person comes out and does something, then brilliant, we've uh, we've succeeded. <coughs> Excuse me. So with that in mind, um, I just want to say again a big thanks to to Croesus coming on and uh, really interesting conversation. Uh, I liked the, the 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 rabbit holes we got down with the uh, you know the ripple effects of these dominoes falling, especially micro strategy and what that's going to mean and and I hope you guys uh, got an insight to uh, what might be going on um, with uh, you know stock analysts and uh, people that are you know in charge of placing huge uh, you know amounts of money in, into investments and uh, the regulations they might have to follow and if that didn't get you bullish then um, I don't know tune into the next episode maybe that one will uh, <laughs> I uh, I thank everybody here for listening thank everybody for helping me build the show Adam Woodham's One um, you know putting all of this uh, together and taking the time to, uh, to do this work really really appreciate the support uh, Sir Badminton for the music in the background uh, 21ism go check those boys out there's going to be some uh, incredible stuff coming uh, any previous guest thank you so much coming on and sharing your time and for those returning now which um is uh is really uh humbling as well uh, that um some of these people that i consider to be ogs um take out the time in their day to to come on the show and, and talk with me and then and then come back which is uh yeah very uh yeah it, it it's amazing uh thanks to everybody that's um shares likes retweets reaches out on twitter enjoy the banter as you know and um yeah final shill coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten or if in if you're in the u.s across the pond hello everybody over there thank you so much for listening really appreciate your support uh, swan have you guys covered um everywhere but new york uh, you know the reason why uh, it's not down to those guys. Uh, they're doing the best they can to bring that to you. SwanBitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Go start stacking some sats. Let's lift this price floor together. Um, along with MicroStrategy, who are now on our side. They're just um, they're there. You know, they've drawn a, a real big line in the sand. Uh, we've got the biggest whale in the ocean on the side of the dollar cost averages. That's incredible. Go check out at Fryer Haas. He has all of the details for dollar cost averaging. He's the man. Go listen to our episode as well at some stage. You'll find him on my list of episodes. You will love that one. Thank you everybody for listening. Take care and I look forward to the next show.